Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Rotoworld Football Podcast. My name is Josh Norris, and I promised you two episodes this week, so we are giving you two episodes this week. My latest or my last one was with JJ Zacharyson. You should check that one out. We covered a wide range of topics, including which late round quarterback, Marion Brand for JJ, you should be targeting this offseason. But just as we did a couple weeks ago when I returned from vacation, we will be having a similar episode today with Raymond returning from vacation. Ray, how are you? Refreshed? Yeah, feeling feeling good. I spent uh, spent about a week in New Orleans. I had a friend getting married down there, so we decided to make a make a trip of it. And uh, I ate terrible food, and I gambled a lot of money, and I'm feeling great. I have to say that the food was actually delicious, but it okay. was just terrible for me. You understand what I'm saying? It's probably one of those places that your eyes are bigger than your stomach, which is probably a difficult thing for both me and you, but that you look at a menu and you imagine that, okay, I could order about five of these things and then you ultimately order three of them. Yeah, no, there was, that happened literally every place we ate. We, we, I wanted everything and I would just, I would just be miserable at night, but then I'd, I'd try to get out of the house. There was this, where we were staying, there was this little like, like, corner fry place which doesn't sound great but like it was like loaded fries it was not poutine but it was just loaded fries and all that stuff and i had to like we i went there like three times i was like i i, I got up at like one just so i could go to this fry place when i my belly wasn't yelling at me that much it was debauchery and gluttony what else do nice. you need in new orleans does it feel does life feel any different when you are allowed to walk the streets with alcohol in your hand versus obviously not being able to do that anywhere else i believe other than las vegas is that correct yeah, I don't know. I don't know about Vegas, but yeah, it's it's a different world. It's crazy. Like where they ask you if you want a to-go cup when you when you order a drink, and you're like, yes, is the answer to that question. Yeah, I love it. I love New Orleans. New Orleans is my favorite vacation city in the United States of America, and uh, I'd recommend it highly. I've never been there, actually. I mean, I've been to a lot of places, but New Orleans, never. The wildest thing to me, Ray, um, I watch these YouTube videos just of cultural landmarks around the u.s and everyone always points to the alcoholic slushy stations <laughs> in <laughs> new orleans where you it's basically like a cruise through like you just pull up in your car yeah. and they just have like 
15 different flavors that for us would be like Coke Ices, but yeah. for everyone, but for everyone in New Orleans, it's just like, Hey, here's a flavor mixed with, you know, some very, very strong alcohol. Yeah. It's great. You could also find those on in random alleys on bourbon and Frenchman and nice. uh, at corners where they also sell pizza. Yeah. It's just the best. It's, it's what I want my life to be 24 seven. I'd be dead already, but it's what, <laughs> it's what I wish just, just my life was. I, I would, I I'm, I'm never happier than when I'm, when I'm in new Orleans. Well, stick with me for the next 25 minutes, Ray. Um, on this episode, we'll hit some MVP odds, which I guess were released this week. Ray and I will give you a few of our favorites. We'll close the show with everyone's favorite, an Aston Villa minute, and oh, we will keep one. it to one minute. Uh, but we will zero start. Chance. Zero chance. <laughs> <laughs> At least, Ray, I'm kind enough to the people to, to save that for the end of the show. So, Tom Hanks, since you're listening, Catch us at the end. But we'll start, Ray, with just catching up everyone on on the news. And as we know, and as we keep saying, this is the kind of period where news trickles out because once training camp kicks off around July 20th, a little bit after that, it's really going to flood in. Um, But Ray, there have been some noteworthy notes that have happened recently. And one is Bengals first round pick, Jonah Williams, who was slotted to be their left tackle, will now miss the entire season. He's expected to miss the entire season. And it's from labrum surgery, a shoulder surgery. Uh, Ray, this happened apparently the week before minicamp during practice slash workouts. And it could not be worse timing. One, for the Bengals, who seem to have been snake bitten by first round picks in recent years. And two, because we know with Zach Taylor coming from the Rams offense, how much of a difference it has made for that team over the last two years and talented and healthy offensive line, what is what that has meant for the success of that offense. Is it that big of a deal? I mean, he was going to be a rookie starting at left tackle. Now all that happens is Cordy Glenn goes back to left tackle. Clint Bowling didn't have a place to play with the way everything was configured before that. So I guess he'll go back in at left guard. I mean, they have some other options, but I'd assume that's what happens. So I don't I really don't know how big of a deal this will ultimately end up being for now. I mean, losing losing your first round pick for his rookie season is obviously a concern, but I, I really don't think it's that big of a deal. Their line still looks questionable. I mean, you still have, you know, John Miller on right guard. They, they obviously brought him in. They have Bobby Hart at right tackle who they paid a lot of money to do that. So there's a, you know, there's a lot of concerns along that line. So I don't know that this really, really changes that in, in any way. I, I will say that this is, this is a, bit of an opportunity to point out that I think that we're underselling the Bengals offense a little bit. I, if you go back and kind of look at what they were before Dalton was hurt, before AJ Green was hurt, their offense was not terrible. It wasn't, didn't have a lot of yards, but they were scoring some points. Dalton, Dalton was having a good season. Obviously Joe Mixon kind of emerged last season. Tyler Boyd obviously really emerged last season. We'll see what happens with the new coaching staff. And like you said, this offense might just need a a good offensive line and they might not have that. But I look at all these weapons and I look at how Dalton played last year. And I mean, obviously he's not great, but he's fine. And I I think that this could be like a a mid-pack offense. And I really don't think that aside from Mixon, we're treating any of the other guys in this offense that way. You know what I'm saying? I thought you were going to say, does this really matter because are the Bengals relevant? Because I I don't know if they are at all. And you probably think they're more relevant than I do. I think AJ Green is a value where he's being picked. I don't know about Tyler Boyd. I 
I kind of go back and forth on him. I think he'll probably end up, I think he's probably where he should be at this point, right. but I think that we're underselling AJ Green. I mean, quarterback is so deep that you can't really stand for anti Dalton or anything. But I think that I think that he's going to be fine as he was kind of fine last year. So yeah, I just think that especially when it comes to AJ Green, we, we might be underselling this offense a little bit. Yeah, and it's just wild. I mean, just trying to put myself in the position of people that support that team or work for that team, that you draft a left tackle who I don't think missed a game in college due to injury at all. And then obviously he misses the entire rookie year because of rookie activities during the offseason. Not a good situation. Ray, let's move on over and dive into this. It's not even one piece of news, Ray. It's like little tidbits that have been popping up here and there on social media. Josh Gordon is spending a ton of time with Tom Brady. I don't know if there are one-on-one situations. Maybe you know more about this than I do. But to me, Ray, Tom Brady would not necessarily take the time not say it's anything about him, but to work with a receiver that he does not expect to play this season. And Ray, if Josh Gordon is on the field for the Patriots, he's automatically their best receiver on the roster. Yeah. And I mean, on top of just that, I mean, we go back to what happened earlier this offseason when they gave him an original round tender and they made sure that they retained his rights. Now, obviously, if he's suspended, they're not gonna have to pay him. But they they made sure they retained his rights and you kind of start putting the pieces together. And it seems like they think at least that Gordon is going to play this season. If not, you know, get reinstated before week one. And there are two situations now looking back in hindsight, there are two situations I was too cavalier about in May when I was looking at dynasty rookies and rookie drafts. The first was the Tyreek Hill, Michael Hardman situation. And I mean, it now looks like Hill might only miss a month, only I'd only be suspended a month. Uh, there's talk about him getting a new contract. So, you know, that's obviously bad news for Michael Hardman. So that that looks like it'll be a concern. And the second was just assuming that Nikhil Harry would have a clean path to the, you know, number two receiver job, the number one outside receiver job in New England. I don't think that this is a big deal long term for Harry because, I mean, I we just can't trust Gordon to stay on the field. We, even if he is gets reinstated, we can't trust that he won't be suspended a month after that. But in the short term, this is a this is a real concern for Harry. This is a real concern that, you know, he might not have the role that we expected and he might not make the first year impact, especially if you drafted him as, as the second pick in in rookie drafts in May that we kind of expected. So, it's it's a bit of an interesting situation here. Obviously, we just have to see. We don't know. The NFL is not going to yeah. tell us any of this stuff. We just have to wait and see. But but I do think that it's trending towards Gordon playing this year. And right now, and I know a lot of people don't play best ball. You should try best ball for once if you never have before. But I believe Josh Gordon's going in like round 10 or 11. And for that, quote unquote, price to pay to acquire a player like Josh Gordon on your roster, especially in best ball leagues, Ray, makes a ton of sense to me. Um, Jeff Howe, who works for The Athletic, I believe even contacted the league who, as you said, still say that he has indefinitely suspended Josh Gordon and that even a timeline for a review of the suspension, they would not even state if there is one right now. So it's odd. You know, sometimes we think that teams have more information than they actually do. Um, who knows? Like, I have no idea what's going to happen in this situation. All I know is, is that right now, if Josh Gordon steps in the field, once again, he is their best receiver. And I, I um, just want to make a point about his cost. It's I pulled this last week before I left. So I imagine with the news, he's gone up. But last week when I pulled right. draft.com's um, ADP, he was the wide receiver 84 
going in the 17th <laughs> round. So yeah. And I imagine that's gone up, right? I, I, I would yeah. fully imagine that that's gone up, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Uh, let's stick with the Patriots just for a second, Ray, because you know, maybe even a couple months ago, we talked about Sony Michelle's fit, his role with the Patriots at the moment. Um, he had, been missing all parts of OTAs and it was seemed like it was a precautionary measure just because of the knee tendinitis or knee issue, whatever it is that he has been dealing with. Um, NFL Network's Mike Giardi has pointed out that Sonny Michelle now has been quote unquote full tilt, which is a positive for all of you old people out there. And that Sonny Michelle Ray, again, if active, clouds this running back group a little bit more because of the acquisition of Damian Harris. My question to you is, does it actually cloud it? Because as we saw at the end of the season, Sonny Michelle had the touchdown score role in the Patriots. It's always an issue and a question to know which Patriots running back to draft. But Ray, we want to have some grasp, some equity in the Patriots backfield because that team scores a ton of touchdowns. A lot of rushing touchdowns as well. Yes. Especially under Josh McDaniels. Yeah, I think that I think the question is, and I mean, Michelle being healthy, obviously, running full tilt, recovering from that knee scope, that's obviously good news. But I don't think the question's really changed. I I think the question is still, and I I don't know, we're not gonna have an answer to this until probably training camp or the preseason, maybe not even then. But the question remains. Is Damian Harris insurance for Sony Michelle, or is he someone mm. that's going to step up immediately and come in and get carries? I think that Sony Michelle is a better player than Damian Harris. I think that Sony Michelle, if healthy, should be the clear lead back and the clear kind of early down compliment to James White. That is what I believe, but my opinion doesn't matter in that kind of regard. We'll have to see what, what happens with the Patriots. I still am leaning towards Harris being more insurance than anything else. And if Michelle is able to stay healthy, I think he'll he'll be pretty good. And I think he'll end up being a value based on where he's going right now. But I also kind of support his ADP. I support his kind of depressed ADP because it is a risk. We don't know how this situation is going to turn out. We have been burned before by Patriots by expecting or thinking that we know how the Patriots backfield will work out. And it just doesn't go that way. So I, I think that, having some caution about this situation is warranted, but where Michelle is going now in the twenties, I think that that's, that's a risk worth taking. You know what I'm saying? Totally. I totally know what you're saying. I'm totally with you that, and you put it in a perfect way. And I also agree that Sony Michelle is a better player than Damian Harris. We just hope that, you know, it's active and Ray, like, I don't think we expect even James white and these players aren't necessarily competing for the same roles, but James White having the type of season he had in the first eight games like he did last year, right? Like that's probably the best we've seen of James White in the regular season ever. So it's, it's again, we want stake in the Patriots backfield and hopefully there's some clarity as we move through um, training camp of the preseason. I can't wait for uh, Brandon re- Bolden to score 12 rushing touchdowns. <laughs> it's going to be amazing when it happens. I'm just, I just can't wait. Pierre Thomas gets signed. <laughs> Uh, works back into the rotation for the Patriots. Oh, what a name, Pierre Thomas. There we go. Uh, Ray, by the way, I think we can move on to this now. Sony Michelle has 100 to 1 odds to win MVP of the 2019-2020 season. Why don't I run through like the top five, six, seven, or something like that? Okay, Patrick Mahomes is obviously at the top with 4 to 1 odds. Aaron Rodgers, 8 to 1. Andrew Luck, 8 to 1. Carson Wentz, 10 to 1, along with Drew Brees. Tom Brady, 12 to 1, Philip Rivers, 14 to 1, 
and Russell Wilson, 14 to one. So Ray, I thought it would just be fun for us to maybe look at some realistic ones and also ones that we think could really hit because there's some really, really long odds to me, Ray, that stand out as strong possibilities to win MVP. Can, and before we get into this, I kind of want to lay out yeah. some like just some information about how MVP has worked out in the past. So Perfect. since 2016 of the 20 MVPs, because both Peyton Manning and Steve McNair were named MVPs in 2003. So that's why, why we have 20 have been quarterbacks. Adrian Peterson is the last non-quarterback to win it. Yeah, that was back in 2012. And all four mm. of the non-quarterback winners during that span were running back. So if if you're talking about who's going to win the MVP, the answer is almost certainly a quarterback. And if it's not a quarterback, yeah. then the other answer is a running back. And to be honest, in our current analytical environment, it seems less likely than ever a running back wins the MVP. Like Saquon Barkley would have to carry the Giants into the playoffs by rushing for 2,000 yards to win the MVP, I would imagine. So that is, that's the kind of, that's kind of what it would take, I think, for a running back to be in the mix. Although, I mean, you're saying that 2017, I guess Todd Gurley was, was the number two vote getter, I think, ahead of Carson Wentz. So yeah, it, it could happen. We'll see. The other thing is you are looking for a player and really you're looking for a quarterback on a good team. The average win total for the last Correct. 10 MVPs is 12.9. Peterson's 10 win Vikings was the lowest total of the last 10 MVPs. So if you're looking for if you're looking for someone that you're trying to pick, you are looking for a team that has a real chance to win 12 games. That is those are the two things that I think you're really looking for to find an MVP candidate. I think you laid it out perfectly. I think then we can eliminate Matthew Stafford yep. and then Detroit Lions yep. at 80 to 1 odds. Yep. Um and Ray on the list that we're looking at the receiver with the highest odds, and there are a few of them with this, is like Julio Jones and Antonio Bryant at 100 to 1 odds. So you're totally right. Like if, if a receiver wins it or is on pace to win it, it's most likely that his quarterback will be ahead of him and in that race. I don't believe – I went through the list today, and I could be wrong about this. I don't know if a receiver has ever won MVP. Yeah. Like I know that – I think Lawrence Taylor might be the only defender that's won it. I think a kicker won it like in the 80s. But so it's – yeah, it quarterback – and then much lower than that running backs. Those are, those are your options. Ray, I've been harping on Carson Wentz to me as a very, very strong MVP candidate for weeks now. And I mean, that's nothing new. He should have won it a couple years ago if he had stayed healthy. Um, but here he is tied for the fourth best odds with Drew Brees at 10 to 1. I mean, 10 to 1, it's, it's good. It's not great for, you know, as we sit here at the end of June. But if you talk about being on a good team, one that might be, honestly, Ray, offensively, even better than the one he played on a couple of years ago. I think that's a possibility. And if he stays healthy, 10 to one odds along with compared to, you know, a four to one, which with Patrick Mahomes, eight to one with luck and Rogers Wentz to me really, really does stand out. Yeah. And I think you can actually get better odds than that. I, I found a couple places nice. where you get better odds than 10 to one on Wentz. And I, I, when I'm looking at these MVP and I'm trying to make a case, I'm trying to make like a, a story of the season kind of things. Because I think that, that tends to be like how we how MVPs kind of come around. And I think you could see that from once he's coming back from an injury. He got a big contract. He's playing for what should be a great team. I think on paper, the Eagles are one of the best teams in the league. And he has the added bonus that the last time, like as you mentioned, last time he was truly healthy, he was the favorite to win the MVP before he went down injured. So I look at all of those situations and I think that, you know, he's a he's a pretty good kind of look a pretty good shout of these kind of high 
odds guys, these kinds of guys that are high up the list. I think Baker Mayfield is in that conversation as well. And he's further down in this list. He's 25 to one. And it's the same thing. I like betting on a story. If, if the Browns are who we think they are, then they're going to be the story of the season. If they're the story of the season, then Baker Mayfield is going to be really high in the kind of MVP conversation. And what's fun about that is that if you really like Cleveland this year, if you like them to go over nine and a half, if you like them to win the AFC North, which is only plus 135, uh, was where I found it, then you could bet on Baker at 25 to one to win the MVP. And you're betting on not exactly the same thing, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a value bet on the Browns being who we think they're going to be this year. So both of those guys are kind of in that same boat for me. Right. There are odds, like I mentioned, for Mahomes, Rogers, Luck, Wentz, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, Russell Wilson. Those are all 14 to 1 or better, right? Then there's Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Bryan, Baker Mayfield at 25 to 1 odds. Then my eye goes to 60 to 1 odds for Cam freaking He's on my list too. On my list too. You talk about writing a story of the season, Ray. Someone who has already won MVP, someone that had to really shut down his season last year because of a shoulder injury that just could not get better. Someone that has quote unquote changed his throwing motion. We'll see it displayed more and more, I guess, as preseason rolls around. Um, Someone who is extremely talented. And I think Ray. On a team that that is good, I'm not going to call the Panthers a great team as we sit here in late June, like I would call the Philadelphia Eagles or a number of these other teams that we're talking about, the New Orleans Saints, the New England Patriots. But I do think that there is obviously an avenue where Cam Newton just looks fully healthy, back to his form, with really, really good playmakers around him, Ray, a developing DJ Moore, developing Curtis Samuel, someone in and Christian McCaffrey, who's obviously a mismatch and hopefully an improved offensive line. Again, you talked about it's about writing a story. Cam Newton definitely has one in his future, I think. Yeah, and I think I think you laid it out. I mean, he's a previous MVP winner, which that's that's kind of a big kind of deal, I think, for me, thinking about, well, we know that he can do this. He can produce that kind of season. And through the first eight games last year, he was outstanding. And the team was six and two during that run. I think you could make an argument that they are better on defense this year than they were last year. So yeah, I, th- mm-hmm. I think that there's there's certainly a path here for Newton. And if you're looking at those kind of longer odds, him being the same as as Jared Goff or being just a little bit shorter odds than, than Matthew Stafford, I think that that's a, that's a really kind of good spot to be. But uh, moving up to the top, so if you had to pick, you mentioned that kind of list of the top with Mahomes and Rodgers and Luck and Wentz. If you had to pick kind of, somebody from those those top groups, maybe those top three, Mahomes, Rogers, Luck, who do you like best of those three, do you think? <sighs> Mahomes, Rogers, Luck. It's tough, right? Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. I think that's the answer. And I and I think, first of all, for Mahomes, um, back-to-back MVPs is just not that common. It, it, it yeah. doesn't happen. It's only happened five times. Two of those were Peyton Manning, uh, who's the only person to do it since Brett Favre went back-to-back-to-back from 95 to 97. So yeah, back-to-back MVP is just not that common. I I understand that Mahomes is still really good. And especially if Tyreek Hill's not going to be suspended but four games, then that offense is probably going to continue to be very good. But it's just not, people get bored. You know what I'm saying? And so right. I think that I think that him winning back-to-back, it's certainly possible. But I don't know if it's as likely as, as it would have been if he hadn't won last year. But you go to Luck, and I mean, 
the Colts are, they meet the criteria of being a good team. They're probably better than they were last year. And we were able to see what they were able to do once Luck kind of found his rhythm at the end of the season last year. If they end up as a number one seed, which I think is is in the realm of possibilities, especially looking at their division, I mean, he's he's probably as good a bet as any, and you're not having to pay that same premium that you have to pay with Mahomes. So if I'm trying to look at go. those three, I think that I think that I like him the best of that group. Can I throw in another one? Go for it. Deshaun Watson, yeah. another one that is 60 to one as well. You can kind of write the same story. And look, Ray, I can't wait for a time and hopefully we achieve it in my lifetime where Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller play a full 16 game season oh, together. Oh, yes. It would be amazing. <laughs> uh, and I honestly think when you go back to like Cam Newton's and I guess Patrick Mahomes, obviously consistency was involved and the numbers were there and everything, but so were those eye-popping, highlight reel, big plays. And Deshaun Watson is capable of those as well, right? Hopefully, I mean, there's some turmoil going on right now in that front office on that coaching staff, whatever else, whoever all the decision makers are. But on the field, Ray, they have known that an improved offensive line should be a key to their success. I'm not saying we have the answer to if the offensive line has improved, but at least they have tried. Hopefully some of those moves pay off and it has happened. But Deshaun Watson, one, if he can stay healthy for 16 games. Two, DeAndre Hopkins continues to be DeAndre Hopkins and have success no matter who's out there. And three, if Will Fuller stays healthy for 16 games as well. Uh, Again, I I think the story can be written for Deshaun Watson to be MVP. I do. And the only thing that kept me from kind of putting him on my list when I was looking at these, where I don't know how good the Texans are anymore. I mean, they lost a lot of talent. As you mentioned, they're in a bit of a disarray. Right now, at least in the front office goes, the offensive line is still a concern. When I say they lost a lot of talent, I mean on defense. I don't know, you know, Bradley Roby, is that going to solve things? at court? So I just think that in that division, I think they're the at, at best the second best team. And that gives me concern. But yeah, I mean, the, the odds are long. And if you told me that he came out and threw 40 touchdowns, I wouldn't like I wouldn't be shocked by that. So I, I think yeah. that I think that there's definitely a path to him winning MVP for sure. Uh, Sam Darnold at 101. Not saying I'm just listing some other names here, Ray. And I don't even think Josh Allen is listed on the sheet that I'm looking at right now. Um, and by the way, I, none of us on this side of the microphone would have said that Todd Gurley should have been MVP last year. But from like a national perspective, remember for like weeks and yep. months, he was listed as number one or number two. We're not the only ones worried about this offseason for Todd Gurley, Ray. Uh, he's listed at 100 to one odds, you know. So maybe part of that is, hey, he's not even going to reach the success that he had last year, two years ago, whatever it is. Um, and he, if he didn't win it then he's not going to win it now, especially with the questions surrounding him. Did I miss anyone? Is there anyone else you want to bring up? I don't think so. I mean, maybe there's a story for Ben Roethlisberger if that offense doesn't miss a beat, Ugh. even after they lost everything. But <laughs> I, I just don't I don't know if that team's going to be good enough. So, yeah, I mean, I, I Matt Ryan, that's actually an interesting one. Like that whole. Yeah. Di- and that and that 25 to one group, Ray, which is Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield. Which one of those would you most nominate? I would say Baker. Because I think yeah, that, me too. like, I just think the story's there. But I mean, Matt Ryan, sure. he won an MVP, was it now three years ago that it was? Two years ago that it was? He won one. I think that kind of like quietly, Matt Ryan has been amazing since that MVP season. Like he hasn't really fallen off like maybe we'd expect because the the Falcons haven't been as good. That was not has not been his fault. Getting a new offensive coordinator in, their defense is hopefully healthy, could be better. I mean, that 
that division is just a nightmare. Like that's the, also the problem with Newton. It's kind of the problem with Breeze, even though we think the Saints are one of the best teams in the league. Like that division is is a gauntlet. And so maybe, you know, maybe that kind of holds them back. But yeah, I think that Ryan's at least a little bit interesting. I also don't see Jameis Winston listed on this. I, I don't believe. Jameis Winston was pretty low at the list I looked at. Yeah. Um, which is which is interesting. I guess I I mean I understand it. Because oh no, here he is. He's at hundred to one. I'm seeing it now, yeah. along with Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson and Marcus Mariota, which is an insult to the other ones. <laughs> uh, Kyler Murray, man, I wish that I wish that we thought the Cardinals would be better because Kyler right. Murray. I hear you. Is he could be fun right out of the gate, like right out of the gate, he could be a you. lot of fun. All right, Ray. I think we covered it on this football front. You want to hop across the pond and talk about our beloved Aston Villa football club? Let's talk about, let's talk about the intricate details of financial fair play and how you skirt them in the premier league (laughs) by selling your stadium. Yes. To yourself. (laughs) Right. Have you ever been to a match at Villa park? I have not. Uh, I have been to Villa park, but I I was during the summer. Have you really? Yeah, I was during the summer. Uh, unfortunately. So I didn't, I didn't get to see a match. That's, that's really my dream. If we get yeah. if we get deep into an FA Cup run one spring, well, you and I might have to might have to take a trip. Us and Prince William, yeah. um, Ray. <laughs> I will tell you this, and I again, as we talked about a few weeks ago, I send you multiple texts, and for hours you just leave them without a red receipt. <laughs> so I understand that I'm just that annoying dude that thinks you're interested in everything that I am thinking about at the time. So I apologize on this platform to you for that. But Ray, we are almost two weeks away, two and a half weeks away from Villa's first preseason match, which is against Minnesota is it FC yeah. United, yeah, something yeah. like that. And on July 17th, actually my birthday and Ooh. Ray, this team does not have a starting 11. No, it doesn't like Aston Villa has, has a starting seven. Yeah. Uh, they don't have a left back. They don't have a right winger. They have no center backs. None. And those are just four of the positions that they will be looking to upgrade in the next two, two and a half weeks. So while I've been biting my nails off, waking up every single morning at 7 a.m. to check since over there, they're about six hours ahead. If something has happened while I'm sleeping, um, the next two and a half weeks should be a lot of fun to kind of retool and and upgrade this roster, hopefully, because it better happen. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of just sitting here in limbo. It seems like they're just being patient, which is good. They're not going to go and, you know, spend a lot of money on players that they can get for cheaper. But it means it means that we're going to be nervous and we might head into August with, you know, the first game of the season, even in August without without a roster. And I don't which is wild. Yeah, I don't really know what to do about that. I don't think this team is going to be good enough that we can just give away some August games. But uh, no. maybe Chester can take another for the team. And start at start at center back to start the season. I don't know, man. It it has been nerve wracking. I thought this was going to be a really big spending summer. And we've seen obviously we broke the transfer record with a for a striker. But I Big West. Big West. But I am I am very worried now. Well, even that one hasn't been announced at this time. And I understand like July first is like the time when everything becomes finished and 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 announced. Um but Ray, like one we also don't know about Guibert. Yeah. Um at right back like he has never played for Aston Villa at all my biggest fear Ray is like Yolta comes out and plays right winger in that first match (laughs) against Tottenham and like Neil Taylor is out there at left back you know and 
it's it's completely possible. Yeah. It's completely possible mm-hmm. that that happens in that first match in the middle of August. It's wild to me. It's bad. But I, I mean, hey, and uh, and Dean Smith and uh, Christian Perslope. That's true. We trust. I, I can never say his yeah. name correctly. I think you got it right. Yeah. Um, by the way, Ray, every couple weeks um, I get to find out the retention rate for our podcast per episode <laughs> and like usually usually we hover around 80 to 85 percent which apparently is very very good like that means 80 to 85 percent of people listen throughout the entire episode uh, um what would you project today's to <laughs> cl- shut off at like that 28 minute mark like there might be there might be half a percent of people listening to us yeah right yeah now. it might it might be our season low like 60 yeah. percent or something that it's listen just, to this it's entire just episode. tom hanks and prince william which we have appreciate yeah <laughs> we appreciate both of you listening to the other two most famous aston villa fans uh we will get out of here um by telling you that right now on rotor world ray and all the other fine people are writing team previews they are thorough they will have numbers uh based from last season that you know push us forward and roll us into 2019 that really matter um they're very very worth your time to me ray i mean it's a perfect preview for to get prepared for every single team heading into training camp again, which starts around July 20th, July 25th, depending on what team. Um, and also in a couple weeks, uh, a few of the riders are going to be heading into Stanford, Connecticut. We'll be having a whole bunch of roundtables and videos and podcasts for you as well. Uh, so, Ray, glad you're back. To everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. Uh, share this with a friend. As always, you're our PR department. Appreciate you. Talk to you all soon. Early next week. See ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.